Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So we're back with another Tuesday podcast here for the car debate. And we're actually going to try going forward to cover two car debates a night. But we are still on twice a week. So hopefully that's four car debates a week because you guys are continuing to bury us in requests, <laughs> which I have to, have to say, we asked for it and we appreciate it. So thank you for that. And <laughs> also, have, have you... Have you noticed, Paul, since the, the 100th podcast, which was Ask Us Anything, I feel like we've had an explosion of just Facebook questions in general. So thank you for that as well. We're going to try to cover a good number of those I tonight. So we've got a couple of yep. car debates coming up. Uh, we've got Pat, and uh, he's looking for kind of a fun car, which is pretty cool. He's got an older BMW he's wanting to upgrade, so that'll be cool. And we've also got uh, Christopher writing to us from New Jersey. And he asks some questions about the C5 Z06, which he has one in his garage and loves it. He's looking for something different to add. Uh, so I got kind of crazy with that one, just trying to think about what has he not driven. Looking forward to talking about that one, too. Hmm, cool. I admit, uh, when, you, when you have a car, you go searching for videos on the car you own. And I mm -hmm. did it with the Cayman GTS. I went searching for videos. I found a lot of them. And we're going to add to the pile with our own. So Yes, I we are. <laughs> It's, it's coming, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I did the same thing. So it's, you know, I've got this car. It's good. I, I understand. Christopher, I understand. Um, anyway, yeah, looking forward to that. But before we do, we wanted to mention again, and we will be up to the date, and that is the Pilgrimage Adventure mm. under everydaydriver.com. Yes, Go to the Adventures tab, and you're going to see the Pilgrimage Adventure. This is, if you haven't heard, we are recreating this trip, and by recreating, we are bringing you and we would love to have you mm -hmm. join us. There's more information on the site, and then we'll send even more. If you enter your name and your email to us, uh, send that off. And we want you to go on this trip with us because it is full track time at Spa Francochamps and the Nürburgring Nordschleife. And this is, this is not, you know, the well, tourist and farting days. This is full these are track days. open yeah. track days during the day. Yep. So which, we want which you to come with especially us. Especially on the Nordschleife, that means the a fraction as many people. And it also means, and I, I, I'm still trying to get confirmation on this, but I'm pretty sure it also means that the big front straight is open versus being broken in the middle for laps. I mean, it's your track, You're so right. you've got access. And be. the other thing to think about, look, this is not a cheap trip, we acknowledge. There's a couple people that have asked us questions about, hey, can I bring my wife or my girlfriend or, or whoever? You can. We do have a non-driver <laughs> add-on fee, so you can bring them along. However, I should acknowledge it's a driver's trip. When we say there's a spa day, that does not mean you get to send your girlfriend off to the hotel spa. <laughs> the only spa day will be at the track. So if you if you bring a non-driver, it is obviously a fraction of the cost for the non-driver add-on. But, of course, they will be at the track with you. There isn't an alternative itinerary. We've got a few of you that have signed up already to come. I've got We've got some guys that have signed up kind of solo guys going, all right, my wife said I'm going, I'm out. So that's cool. <laughs> and I should acknowledge something else that you and I have talked about a bit, but I think it gets missed here. And that is this is all inclusive, guys. It doesn't include airfare, but once you land in Frankfurt – 
it's all covered. It's everything. It's yep. meals. It's hotels. It's transport. It's all the track days, instruction. There's a ton of stuff included in that fee, so we would love to have you. And we decided to do that because you might be coming from England or other countries or the U.S. We, we don't know exactly where you're coming from, and so we leave the preference of your airline and everything up to you. So sure, get yourself yeah. there. And then, as Todd said, everything from there on out is fully taken care mm -hmm. of. We've got reservations. We've got room blocks. And we, most importantly, we have cars on the track. Yes. So please Cars come. and instructors, which is incredibly yeah. cool. We'd love to have you. I mean, this is, this is you know, bucket list kind of stuff here. So please consider mm -hmm. it. Yes, it's expensive. But in comparison, it's, uh, it's, it's well sorted. It's well thought through. So we've budgeted yeah. for lots of things. Well, there's people doing rallies in the U.S. Bring your own car that costs yeah. more than what we're doing. Yeah, that's very true. Which is insane. There's, there, there, and, you know, you do a three-day track session here at here in Utah. You do a three- or four-day track session here in Utah with, like, Ford Performance School. And I'm not picking on them. They're just they're our local example. It's true everywhere. That'll cost you as much as this trip, and it doesn't include hotels and and, uh, yeah. and your meals. Right, right. So, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's not cheap, <laughs> but it's competitive for sure. And a few of you have actually said you're considering doing a European trip with your spouse or whoever and tacking this on. And I say bring that on yeah so the yeah. first 12 of you to sign up will get to go we're incredibly excited in case you can't tell and then for others of you keep talking about chicago track day we've had a couple of you write and say you might travel in for it we would love that this is august 22nd it's a monday we'd love to have you it's a run what you brung event uh, you can sign up for that track event at a discounted rate through laps incorporated right there on our website on the adventures page we would love to see you we'd also love to see you if you just want to come and bring your car and hang out Please do that. We'll be hanging out in the parking lot, too. We're going to be on track. We're going to be off track. There's going to be so much going on that day. We may have to clone ourselves, but it's going to be very fun. <laughs> yeah, please come. I even saw a comment on Twitter. I forget who it was from, but they were trying to get a new car before joining us on track at, mm -hmm. uh, at the Chicago Track Day. So bring it. Bring we would it. love to see you. And, yes, if, if you just want to come and hang out, we'd, we'd love that, too. So, uh, anyway, check both of those out. Again, everydaydriver.com under the Adventures tab. Both of the information for both those sessions, both those events live there. So, yeah, check mm -hmm. that out. Check that out. In the meantime, though, we have noticed uh, we are watching Top Gear UK, the new season, as closely as you are. And although we have not seen the second episode as of yet, we, ha we did the first. And hopefully you have, too, to yep. start the comments yep. going. But... We're reading the same things you are, and we're noticing that viewership is down in comparison. There's still about mm -hmm. average viewership for that that slot and for what it is, but it's unfortunate to hear. I'm I'm bummed about this. I, I again, I feel like the recipe needs to grow and get creative real fast if they're going well, but to. But I also have to say though, going. I mean. The reviews have not been good, and and on some level, I, I feel a little bad for them. I know that sounds weird, but this is a poison pill. I mean, this is the problem with this show, is I, I don't think there was any chance. I don't care who you cast. Let's say, mm -hmm. let's say the guys that they cast did the most amazing episode of Top Gear ever. I still think the chances of them equaling the ratings of the old show are almost impossible. I don't care who, who leads it. You know, it, it, it grew to a level that even BBC didn't believe prior. I mean, as long as it's competitive in its time slot, I hope they actually give it some time and let it live. I mean, unfortunately, here in the U.S., when you're barely competitive or not quite competitive, you're killed within an episode or two. That's not really how the BBC operates, which is good. It's not really how they operate outside the U.S. in television most times. But I, I really hope they give this a chance to actually find its own style 
because it's it's one of those things where I think in isolation the ratings are okay in the numbers I'm seeing. It's just they don't match the old show. But how could they? So it there's a real lose lose here. I, I'm curious to see more. I want to see it grow. I want to see Chris Chris Harris's contribution to the show across the board. I just like him and his work is really good. He and Neil as well. Mm-hmm. Plus Rory yeah, is really yeah. good and Sabine. I mean, there's so much about the show to like. And Matt LeBlanc surprised me, so let's have more. That'll be really cool. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, I'm wondering if this has an opposite negative effect on the other new show from Amazon, which will be coming out at some point here, and too much pressure being put on that. And maybe give mm. it a hall pass if it's very average and mediocre and not up to snuff or not up to the usual standards, that it might be given a hall pass because, well, it's the guys. It's it's Clarkson and Hammond and Yeah, May. who knows? Yeah, uh, it, it may I, be. I hope I, it doesn't do that and have this opposite negative sort of thing. It's almost people are it's almost like people are loving to hate the new top gear, waiting with mm-hmm. anticipation for the new show to come out. And then I just I say enjoy it for what it is for right now. Yes, we'd like mm-hmm. improvement too, but yeah, hard to hard to win in this situation, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's a poison pill situation. And I do, you know, I hey, I appreciate well-produced car content. Just period, I do. Yeah. I mean, there's yep. so much stuff I feel like is on TV that is car-related that is just schlocky. I hate to say it. So it's nice to see something that is at least well-produced. And then uh, you made a note uh, here today. You were talking about, uh, here's a news item. We, you know, we've had, uh, we have Tom Homanzik. He's our European correspondent. He's doing cars we haven't been in. And one of the brands that uh, we don't get here that he's going to get into is Skoda. But there's a discussion that maybe that brand will come to the U.S. That would be a twist. Yeah, I saw this and thought it was worth a mention because, uh, you know, obviously brands we don't get. But Skoda is a a well-received brand elsewhere in the world. They're doing well. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, shoot. I mean, this is a subsidiary of Volkswagen Group, has been for 20 years now. If they're going to do that, why not bring Seats over as well? And what an interesting alternative, especially as consumers are looking for the fuel-efficient turbocharged engines that both these companies have in spades. So I'm just – I'm wondering about – they're like an Audi Heavens. feeder program, or or the other way around. I'm not sure, but it's it's you know you when, when, we it, when it finishes being well, but it's it's oh look, it's the last generation A4. No, no, it's the current generation Skoda. I mean, they do a good right, job with that. Right. They actually do good things with using the architecture that Volkswagen is kind of stepping beyond. I, hey, it's an interesting brand. I'd like to see them here. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to actually have something else to uh, to recommend to viewers as well. I mean, we we love cars. We'd love to see more over here, but. We'll just have to see. I thought it was pretty interesting and worth a mention. So anyway, mm-hmm. write to us. See what you think about uh, – let us know what you think about Skoda and you know anything else from Volkswagen brand coming over to the U.S. They're huge elsewhere in the, in the world. But uh, yeah, write to us. I'm curious to hear what you guys have to think. Well, and also speaking of writing to us, I do want to clarify something. This may seem ridiculous, but if you have a question for us, just a random question for us, Facebook is the place, so so join us on Facebook at Everyday Driver. But if you have a car debate, we would recommend you either write to EverydayDriverTV at Gmail or through our website, you can use the Contact Us form there. That just helps us kind of funnel all those into one pile and then the Facebook questions in another pile. So please help us out there if you would. We should move on to our first car debate. It's Pat writing to us from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm just going to say the answer is Skoda. <laughs> Done. Done. There Clearly, you go, Skoda needs to come over so we can recommend them perfect. and say, mm-hmm. yeah, Pat, get a Skoda. Well, here's the thing. He's got a background here with uh, not ever really having a fun car and always driving appliances. And so yep. Yep. finally had this opportunity. He said he picked up a 96 BMW 328 IS. 
mm-hmm. not necessarily because he loved it, but it was a good shape. It was a BMW. We get it, Pat. We get it. You know, the ability to get into a BMW inexpensively. Okay, we get it. But, you know, what you're experiencing now is wear and tear. It's as of mm-hmm. now, it's a 20-year-old car. Yeah, you're experiencing rust spots, headliner, trim coming out, and, you know, things that need to be maintained, especially on that car. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had discussions about, you know, when you're getting a fun car, should you, you know, buy a cheaper car and screw performance components to it, or should you buy a better car? <laughs> but here's an yeah, example yeah, yeah. of if you could get a better car, just, you know, performance performance parts aside, if you could get a better car rather than continuing to put money into it, the only reason you should really, I think, is because you love the car. You love it. It's mm. Maybe going to be worth something someday, but you've got an emotional yeah. attachment to it. Otherwise, well, I mean, I yeah, say you've get got a out situation of that where, yeah, I mean, you've got a situation where Pat's a great example of a guy that he bought. You bought your first car you liked, and we congratulate you. But you you feel like you're ready to move on. I think that is the key element here, and you have budget to move on. I mean, you talked about at the absolute maximum, and we'll try to respect your maximum. We're not good at that, but your absolute maximum <laughs> is forty grand. So I mean, you actually have some real money to spend. Your wife has got you know, a normal Impreza wagon for, for daily driver duty and hauling stuff. So you're not really confined in that regard. So, okay, it's time to step out of the older car that you don't personally have, like Paul saying, you don't have an attachment or reason you must keep it and maintain it. So, all right, let's get you out of that into something else. And you're looking at, okay, maybe let's keep some stuff that is a little bit usable. So you haven't really leaned, it doesn't sound like, toward full-on sports cars. I've got a few recommendations for you more in that regard. But you've said you're wondering about, you know, Focus ST or even the RS to keep a little bit of usability. But you want something newer and just fun. And, of course, in the RS, that would be about as new as they get. So, uh, okay, looking at something interesting and, and more recent. Where did you land on this, Paul? Well, I kind of saw his email request here and divided it into two categories. Because he tells us that budget-wise... He's got about 40K. So we'll cap it. We'll say 40K. We'll cap it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just for he and his wife. He's saying, well, yeah, you said the Impreza wagon. So they've got kind of the cargo hauling thing covered. So therefore, yep. that leads me to Coop. Get a fun two-door. Something in that range. I agree. I agree. Yep. But then he goes on to say about, you know, used M3s, Focus RS, ST, something like that. But then part of him wants to set the limit at half that budget. So therefore, 20K... And then not have mm-hmm. a car payment. So it sounds like he could do 20000 cash. And he's a little worried about buying into something else, something else so used or even slightly used mm-hmm. that will start to cost him money and maintenance. And I kind of hear you saying, Pat, you're a little bit gun shy. You've been doing it for a while. You've mm-hmm. kind of sucked it up and you're, you're sure, doing it. Sure. But therefore, okay, if I could, fine. One thing about not having a car payment, but then you might still need to put money into maintenance but on the other Agreed. hand, what if you had a newer or brand new $40,000 car that you don't have to do anything to? So I, mm-hmm. I had two categories here. Sure. Kind of went sure, round and round in each category and found some interesting choices here. It, it, it's, you know, there's caveats for each, but then there is a car that I landed on and it justifies your spending mm. all the $40,000. And again, it has to do Shocking. with. Shocking. Well, it has to do with Paul's reliability. Going to spend all your money. <laughs> to spend your money. Well, it has to do with the, the you have forty thousand dollars. I'm going to spend forty thousand and one dollar <laughs> <laughs> just to spite you. No, um, <laughs> oh, no, no. It, Gosh, it, it has helpful. to do with that. wow. Just just to say, all right, you know, you won't okay. have to do anything to this car, and the dealership okay. experience is 
pretty great. So that okay, will, where'd you that go? will be my tease. Or you, you, okay, you're just going to tease it for now. All right, oh, yeah. fine. So, yeah, so yeah. Where, where are we starting? All right, so let's start with the $20,000 choices. Would you realize, okay. Pat, 20K is FRS BRZ money. I mean, that lands you it a is. really, Absolutely. really nice either one. Pick your poison. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know, the, the coupe, the fun yep. driver's car. A couple years old, you could grab one. You're right. Absolutely. Easily, Absolutely. easily. And I thought, all right, well, excellent car. We have a lot of fun with yours. But mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. So, okay. True. No, absolutely. And everything that I'm recommending here, well, exception of two, but I, I was thinking coupe. I was thinking fun because if we're going to spend the money, let's get something you really like. Mm-hmm. Led me to a 2013 Hyundai Genesis coupe, the 2.0 turbo. Thought, okay, okay. a little All rough right. around the edges, a yeah. little bit more substantial car if the FRS is too small, if it's too low. Whatever reason, and it's more powerful, but it's not it's not as agile. I mean, I, I yeah, there's pros and cons to that car for sure. There's pros and cons in the comparison. Keep going. Yep. Uh, how about a 2011 BMW 135i coupe? How about this mm, car? Okay. Found you sure. one, Pat, for for 20k, 63,000 miles. And then there's the caveat about okay, it's a BMW. It's starting to get the mileage mm-hmm. on it. It's still an excellent yeah. buy right now and deeply discounted. Yeah. But there are going to be things, and I don't want you to have yeah, that old true. feeling of, well, true. I'm only in the newer generation thing. Here I am doing the maintenance thing all over again, and then mm. fix yeah. that, and that's peeling up, and you know all this kind of stuff. So I thought, all right, keep going. Uh, so my last one in the $20,000 range here is a 2012 Infiniti G37 Coupe. Did yep. you know? Yep, great choice. 20,000 miles. That's barely broken in. They're yeah. only 20K. Did you know this, Those Pat? cars plummet. It's it's amazing how much those cars have dropped. I, I totally agree. I was shocked to find this. I thought, well, psh, reliability, 20,000 miles. It's barely been driven. It'll be mm-hmm. it'll feel very new to you, and it is a yeah. substantial car. Now, I've True. you can see I've gone up in terms of, you know, start with the nimble handling, go to a bigger car. But yeah. Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. like We're in there? way up out of that. You know, mm-hmm. what, I totally agree. What I see where you're going. You? So that's my $20,000 range, and I, I don't know if you divided it in the same way. Did well, you stick with I didn't, one budget let, or what? But let me jump in here on a couple things, and, and I, that's, that's good stuff to start. I, I stayed closer to the, okay, you've got forty k, and if I'm going to go under that, it's because I'm leaving your breathing room to, to maybe do maintenance. But you, sure. you brought up yourself, you brought up yourself, Pat, the, uh, the, the M3. And I'm going to say to you, you could get yourself an E92 M3, the generation just before the current one. You could absolutely get one for your budget. And, you know, that's that's one of those things where, okay, that is a car that's going to require some maintenance. Obviously, try to get one with low miles. Try to get one that's fairly new. I mean, if you get one of the late build ones, uh, it's still going to be really, you know, it's going to be under that 50,000-mile range. The reason I bring up 50,000 miles is because, let's be honest, BMW covers everything for you under 50,000 miles. So clearly, mm-hmm. they know the cars will need nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. if you get one above like 60, okay, it's going to start to need some stuff, but I doubt it's going to need what your current car does as far as frequency is concerned, certainly not for a while. You brought it up. I think it has to be acknowledged as a good option. Uh, but what thing is, you're coming out of a BMW, and I just I, I took from that that you may want a little bit of refinement. So I, my, I went down two different rabbit trails. One was, okay, let's get you a focused car. Mm-hmm. And I had to think, you sure. already did the Infinity, which I like. But I, but I have to have to say, you could get a Nissan 370Z and yeah. spend yeah. thirty. Get a used one of those, spend thirty. You've got money left over, 
And that car is still going to be reliable and fun. And you said you bought this BMW originally to teach yourself how to drive manual, and now you know how to drive it and you feel comfortable in it. That's, that thing's got a great six-speed. It's got that synchro rev match that thankfully you can turn off, but it is there and it is cool. <laughs> 370Zs are cool. And also, for well under your budget, I have to, I mean, I can't ignore it. Elephant in the room. Yes, you could get a Cayman. Now, that is going to be more expensive to maintain, but it's going to have that German feel that you like. Mm-hmm. And then I will mention my last car that I thought of as I was looking at your list, and then I'll let you jump back in on, on your stuff, Paul. But <clears throat> You said you looked at the you're thinking about the Focus RS or the ST and I those are going to be fun cars. The the Focus ST we're big fans of. We're excited to drive the RS, but you're coming out of a BMW and you've looked you're considering things even like an M3. So I'm going to say to you, Golf R. Get a 1-year-old Golf R. Okay. Because you okay. kind of wondered about should you keep some utility? That Golf's going to surprise you with its space. But yet it's going to be fun. I would recommend highly if you can get the six-speed over the uh, DSG on that. But maybe get a one-year-old Golf R. You wouldn't spend all of your budget. You have a little bit of money left over. It'd still be a pretty new car. And it would be a hatch if you really decide you want it. But it's still got, you know, those nice German new levels of refinement that you kind of liked in your BMW, I'm sure. But this is a long way up the totem pole from that. I I like the Golf R for you. So that's kind of where I landed. Hmm, I like that. Can you get them right at uh, 40 or less, like with a manual transmission. Well, I think I think you might be in trouble new, but I bet you one year old, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe something off lease, or you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, it was the demo car or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you could you could find them. I don't know that you're going to be able to walk <clears throat> into a dealer and walk out with a new one at with four with forty grand as your max. I don't know that that's possible. Could you find one for that money or less? Yes, definitely. Pat, I found you a 2011 E92 M3, only 38,000 miles for 40k. Excellent. Bang okay. on. That is the sweet spot. It's it's looks and feels new in the photos. So definitely, you know, to Todd's point, that can be done. And I love the suggestion, but I'm gonna pull you out of that. I'm gonna pull you away. Okay. My okay. I'm gonna throw out my other two suggestions because they're four doors, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna let it ride. Um, Embrace it. Go. I'm going to just tell you my $40,000 suggestion, and I think it's loads of class. (laughs) I think it does hit a lot of sweet spots, although it's not a manual transmission. Don't think you can get it with a manual. Okay. Here we go. 2015 Lexus RC350 Coupe. Found you one. 13,000 miles, right bang on $40,000, ultrasonic blue with the tan leather interior. Wow. Hmm. Sharp looking, classy. We like yeah. we like the Lexus experience. It's very high in the handling department. Are there better cars? I love that you brought up the Cayman, and I didn't have to. I love that part. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of space. It's a substantial car. Loads of class. Nobody at work is going to give you a sideways glance of, huh, you're making too much money or something like that. It still has a, a good sweet spot in terms of, hmm, you chose wisely. You you. You know, spent money well, but you're still getting a, a classy car, good for dates, yeah, good for road trips, and you, it's you bring up, in the fun side. Yeah, you, you, sorry, you just maybe have a, have a tangential thought, and that is this. If he bought a $40,000 RCF, or, you know, get, gets into the car you're talking about, right. gets into it, and then, he, um, and then he drives that to work, and it cost him forty k. He would be considered less of a rich guy snob than if he bought a $20,000 Cayman and drove that to work. This is brand perception, <laughs> yeah. people. 
Yeah. You could buy the Lexus <laughs> yeah. for twice as much, and the Cayman would be the one people would be like, what are you making? You're, that is so fascinating about that brand, isn't, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Anyway, go on. I like that. I like that Lexus recommendation. And you're right. I mean, it's just going to run. It is. Uh, it is a good dealer experience. That's okay. All right. I did not see that coming. Okay, it's not well the done. F. It's not the F that you and I drove on track. Yeah, I know. It's I, just the 350. You're below that. You're below that. You're but I say just. There's, there's loads mm. to like about this thing, and you won't yeah. have to do anything to this car. Just start enjoying it start driving it, put loads of miles on it. The dealer experience is going to yeah. be great. It's unique. It's going to stand out. And that's what I like about mm. it so much for you. And we like the handling. Okay. It's yeah. There's there's nitpicky things. We can shave slices off the onion and dice it up. And you know what? I well, I don't get the idea that's what you're looking for. That I don't get the idea that's your ultimate It's not a track goal. car. No. It's not a track car. It's not a can- not the ideal canyon runner, but it's not going to embarrass itself in a canyon. And that's clearly not what Pat's looking for. He hasn't given right. us any indication of that. So I right. see. You're not in a place that's weird. I-, I see how you got there. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, take that for what you will. I like your suggestions, Pat. But, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what happens and what you go drive and what ends up speaking mm. to you. As with anybody listening, when we recommend something, we'd love to hear what you bought because every so often we Definitely. like – you know, saying, hey, everybody, from podcast, whatever, 60 or whatever number, so-and-so bought yeah, yeah. a blank because we recommended it and they liked it and it worked and that's it. And we don't get commission. That's the best part. We're not getting paid commission. Yep, that's true. So, that's true. And then there's the people that go, I drove everything you, you recommended and they were really great options. And then I bought inter-left field automobile. <laughs> and we, we all go, wait, what? I'm sorry? That's not even – okay. All right. Fine. Which exactly. is great too because we get educated on, on just how the buying process happens. Let's be honest. It develops as you get into it and you realize, oh, I didn't realize that car. I didn't think about this feature. And that just happens. We get that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. So uh, anyway – let us know, Pat. But in the meantime, we'll move to our second car debate. Yes, it's been a while since we've squeezed in a second car debate into the podcast because we've been taking so many Facebook questions. So kudos to you guys for that. And we will get to those yes. at the very end here. But for now, we wanted to talk to Christopher from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Also a unique city. I've never been there. Have you ever been to Atlantic City? I haven't. I haven't. I don't I mean, know let's anything be honest, about I've the always city. Lived- I've always lived closer to Vegas, so uh, you know if we're going to do true. that, we're going to go to Vegas. Yeah, but I guess we're uh, to yeah, Vegas. he's writing to us, and he he goes on a, a little tangent. I mentioned it earlier. He has a C five Z six. He thinks it's pretty much the best value for performance dollar uh, under twenty thousand dollars. He has one he got for about twenty grand, and he just can't say enough about it. Wishes we'd do a video on it and compare it to other things at twenty grand, which is an interesting throwdown. So okay, all right, Christopher. So that car is not going anywhere. That car is staying. So, okay, that's in there. And then you also have got a Tacoma. So there's your utility vehicle. So you're looking for something that's just fun, and you're trading in the 09 Jetta Diesel. That's right. It's on the buyback program. So you have money to spend up to about thirty-five grand. Interesting, interesting dilemma. I have to say, Christopher, on your Z06 comment, it made me curious, and I found one on one of my Paul's Secret Car List websites here, Park Place LTD, that's one of my faves. Mm-hmm. I fa- they're selling an 06 Z06. So this is not the C5, obviously the C6 generation. Ten-year-old mm-hmm. car, gorgeous. It's Le Mans Blue this time. I mean, mm. unbelievable. 31,000 miles. For thirty seven nine, so I bet you could get that for thirty six ish somewhere in there. Probably, probably you could probably talk them down a bit. Yeah. Hot looking, oh yeah, yeah. Lamar blue, black wheels. I have to admit, so you you got me pondering this, and thirty seven 
38 grand does sound like a lot of value for this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I can see why. But you went with the C5, also good car. But I, I just kind of feel like – I don't know what you think, uh, Chris, but um, I feel like the C5 generation – is still stuck in a limbo, a, a neutral middle zone, because it's not old enough yet to look classic, but it's it's looking dated because it's not new. I feel like mm, it's stuck I in this middle ground, and I want it to either get yeah. older or be updated. And so I'm interesting. I, I guess that's why we don't talk about it as much. But you're right; it is a great value. So I see. I see your styling dilemma there. I hadn't thought of it just, in those terms, but I definitely see that. You know, yeah. it needs to get older, and then you go, "Oh yeah, classic Corvette," but it's those not are there cool. Yet. Yeah, I see. I, yeah, I see that. It's interesting. Well, I'm curious yeah. to hear what you've got to say for his car because, really, all I could think of was uh, kind of an upgraded version of what he's got. And I, yeah, you've got the 90 mile round trip and you're, you're doing the commute thing. And this 2015 or newer Mustang GT came out of kind of nowhere. Cause I thought, well, wait, aren't you commuting 90 miles round trip every day in a GT? That's not going to be cheap, but true. It's not, but, but he's, he's talking about cars that are already on his radar. I mean, he's talking about having 35 grand and because it's his commute car, he's, he's wanting automatic. Uh, so that got me thinking specifically about okay, the things I'd like for Christopher are cars he ha- kinds of cars he hasn't owned already, and things with decent autos. These are the things that kind of guided me, mm-hmm. and I came up mm-hmm. with three. Now, one of them, one of them you mentioned, Christopher, and you brought up the Golf R. Now, I just talked about the Golf R for Pat just a moment ago, and I don't mean to make this the Golf R podcast, but you've brought it up here, and I do have to say, okay, you're coming out of a Volkswagen, coming out of a Jetta. The Golf R is a major step up in performance credibility there, and just a cool car, and you could do it for 35. I see that. That can't be ignored. I will acknowledge that. But that guided me to two other cars because I want to get you into a kind of car you haven't owned before. So I thought of, what about a used Audi S5? Because if you're getting a Mustang GT, miles per gallon is not your biggest concern, which is the biggest strike against that car. Good automatic. It's, you know, all-wheel drive, but it's kind of the German riff on the Corvette idea, if if you'll go with me a little bit. But it's much more GT car, obviously. Sure. Those S5s have dropped like crazy. You could have your choice at 35. I think that's a real option. That's not my favorite, but I did think of that car. Hmm. V8 in that, in the earlier, before it went to the the, uh, supercharged V6. But uh, yeah, I like which that is still shape. good. The, I mean, even changing it, even getting the six in that car is still interesting. Um, I don't know uh-huh. where the price break yeah. happens, but uh, you know, the, the S five, the the current model. Now I have to say, you know, they Audi released the styling of the new S A five and S five. Yeah, I, I have to reserve to see it in person, but I don't like it as much. Really, and I think that that A five S five that has existed so far is one of those I feel like timeless designs. I want to see the new one to really decide. But so far, on what I've seen photos wise, I'm not that impressed. So, anyway, I do have to think of that one. I have one that I feel is kind of my favorite. But where are you on this? Well, funny enough, <laughs> I also chose an Audi, but for different strange reasons. Okay, you've mentioned. Uh, let's see here. You've mentioned this. Uh, the diesel particulate filter delete and the exhaust gas recirculation valve, so the EGR delete. So obviously you're getting more power out of your car, still getting great gas mileage. You've got 170,000 miles on your Jetta. Man, I, I thought, all right, what if we did the commute thing and also went diesel? And here's why. Okay. Okay. 2015 Audi A3 TDI with a diesel. Found you one in silver. 
with only 1,300 miles, 1,360 miles. So this car is brand new. They're only yeah. asking $32,000. <laughs> and this is from a dealership in Marietta, Georgia, so kind of close to you, Chris. I'm thinking do the same thing to that. You've got yourself – I wonder if they'll pay you to take it off the lot. There are loads well, but, of A3 diesels for sale right now that are nearly new that I'll bet you they want to get rid of. So, but what's happened to that car? How is it wrapped up in the diesel scandal? I mean, have they already done the retrofit on it? I mean, what's how are they selling that? Because I thought, you know, they kind of had a stop sale on the new one. So I just wonder about a car like that. What is the Volkswagen Group doing with it? How is that A3 being sold? And I'm, I'm not suggesting I have a question. I have an answer. I just have the question. And I'm sure somebody out there knows the answer. Unknown. That's fascinating to buy another Volkswagen diesel out of the equation. I mean, it's kind of similar running gear. Well, not... Not that similar, but a little bit in terms of uh, a Golf. But it's a nicer. Yeah. It's it's sort of between the Golf and the Jetta. It's sort of the nicer Jetta. It's more of a substantial car. And yeah. you're right. I don't hmm. know how they're selling these, but maybe because it's used uh, slightly. It's a 2015, so it's very slightly used. And there's loads of them yeah. for sale. I'm thinking if you offered them 30, uh. if you'd offered them 28, they might say, you know what, <laughs> we hate you, how but okay. How badly do you want me to buy this car? How, how badly do you need to get rid of it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, walking there How much do you want to see 000. all of the TDI badges drive away? <laughs> yeah. And you're doing Terrible. them a favor. And you kind of, this is already your sweet spot. You kind of like this. It fits mm -hmm. your needs. It's more of a substantial car. I think they're good looking. And you could steal one of these. Rarely does this Maybe. happen. And Maybe. this one mm. is practically new for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So thought they, they might you might huh. see the sales guys clicking their heels in your rearview mirror as you drive off the lot they might be <laughs> taking everybody to dinner and buying everybody in the bar shots because they Dri finally sold off the, the lot diesel to get home to find a recall notice in your mailbox for that car you just bought <laughs> right uh, anyway uh, maybe they'll buy it back <laughs> for even more money i mean it could be a money-making enterprise that's it buy up all the a3 diesels that's what we need to be doing and there's the missing way to make money <laughs> I had no idea. Let's buy all of the TDIs and sell them back to Volkswagen at a profit. <laughs> Terrible. Okay. Well, I had I had one other idea that I was I was reading this struck me because it's very different than anything else that Christopher's talked about or currently owned. And you know you've got your, you've got your big muscle car, your your focus sports car, muscle car feel already. You've got your truck already. You've had a Jetta, which of course has been your commute car and you know decent uh, interior and that German feel. Okay, I see you've got that in, in your world. But let's go more dynamic and interesting. With thirty-five grand to spend, what about a BMW 228i? Mm. You want an automatic. That's got that eight-speed in it that is actually a really good gearbox. We've tracked that car. It is incredibly good dynamically, much better than you might think just glancing at it. That's probably going to get pretty good gas mileage because, I mean, it's not going to get your Jetta, you know, 40 MPG mileage. But it's going to get better gas mileage than a Mustang GT or the Audi RS I mentioned earlier. And it's going to be a genuinely playful, dynamic car and a good automatic gearbox. I, my favorite for you is that 228i. Hmm. I didn't see that coming. Good, good one. I like that. That's, and and it's just, uh, it's, are you thinking it's new? It's different. Are you saying new, brand new here? I, I think it's going to depend on your shopping. I'll be a little surprised if, I mean, you may be able to find one new. Thirty-five grand, you may be able to pull it off. It's going to depend on your dealer, what's out there, but not very used, absolutely. You definitely can. 
See, the thing that I love about what you and I do is we didn't consult each other. I mean, you, we've told you this before. Never do. We never consult each other on, on uh, nope. Nope. you know, our choices. And so it's a surprise for both of us. And I, I didn't see that coming. That is, that is pretty interesting. Well, I was led there because I was trying to think about what are cars we've driven, really enjoyed, that are different than what he drives, that I liked the automatic. And that rabbit trail led me right to that BMW. Huh. And it'd yeah, have to be the 228. I, I, More bigger yeah. engine will be blow out the budget over 35. But that two, but that was the thing. I remember when I got on that 228, we were at a track day. I got on that 228 and thought, all right, it's a low-grade BMW 2 Series. Am I going to like this? And halfway through the first lap, I was like, I, buy this car. Who, yeah. who would like this car? Because this is a car yeah. to buy. It was delightful, Very impressive, actually. And worth it. Really, really good. Good. And that was our first experience with the, the latest 2 Series. And, of course, we then jumped up to the M235i. And I actually thought you were going to steal that car from the press fleet. So it's it's a chassis that we like. <laughs> yeah. And the 228 is – there's nothing to complain about there. That's a good car. So I definitely want to mention that. And for commuting purposes, if you get that for as mm-hmm. a commuter – You've got this delightful little toy that, as you said, playful. Uh-huh. Love that. You've, you've got that as an added bonus. Yeah. So, yeah. huh. I like that. I still think we well, should try uh, to make illegal money by buying up all the A3s on the planet and selling the v- yeah. VW. Because nobody from Volkswagen is our, listening. I, I, with, all our, with all our disposable cash, we're going to buy every TDI <laughs> we can and turn around and sell them for a profit. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like financial wait, advice from Paul us? and Todd. That's, that's <laughs> superb. That's exactly what we should be doing. Uh, let's do some Facebook questions before we dig ourselves an even bigger hole. Can we do that? <laughs> yes, that sounds great. There's a lot for, uh, for our podcast. There are. Here. There's a ton, which is great. Man. Before we actually get to questions, we should do a shout-out to Lucas. Lucas wrote to us and said he just got home from going to the ST Octane Academy. Uh, you don't say, oh, you, you said you've got a Fiesta. So you watched our ST Octane video from last summer and decided as a result of that video to spend the money and go. And you are thrilled that you went from New Jersey to Utah to do it. And honestly, man, we're just thrilled to hear that you went. It is a really fun, unique event that they're giving away to those uh, ST uh, owners. It is worth it. We're glad that you experienced it. I'm also really glad, by the way, that you spent your money at our recommendation, had the track and uh, had the track experience, and now are saying, "Yeah, that really was worth it." I'm glad it didn't go the other way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just agreed. wanted to give you a hat tip and say, glad you went. Yeah, thrilled you loved it. And if you haven't seen that, that is the ST Octane Academy from 2015 that both Todd and I drove thanks to the Ford Performance guys. So we're now at our second race school with them, with the Mustangs. That'll be coming mm-hmm. out. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun in that one too. So looking forward to sharing that. But uh, I will say that Michael Newson knows where my goat is tied. To use the colloquialism <laughs> of my dad, <laughs> he knows he knows what – lights my candle here because the he, entire audience knows what brand you want to discuss. This is not, this is not unique to Michael. This is well, not, this is not even here. a stretch. He nailed it. Yes. Michael, I don't know if he, he knew, did. but the 928 was my first car in a 1988, 928 S4. Your and first Porsche. Yes. This is my first Porsche. So strangely enough, it wasn't a 911 that got me onto the Porsche bandwagon and the pool mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It was this if you do car. a Porsche drinking game, brace yourself. The next few minutes are going to be tough. They're gonna, going to be hard on you. You're going to die of alcohol poisoning. No. <laughs> um, he is writing because he said, will Porsche, Porsche bring a successor to the 928 to the market? And he feels like Jaguar and Mercedes have 
you know, they've got this market covered. And I agree. Mm -hmm. If you look at their lineup, aside from the rumors that we've heard about Porsche coming out with a Ferrari 488 or 458 uh, sort of competitor, right in the McLaren sure. 570S sweet yeah, spot. Yes, the 911 com can compete, but what if there were something else in there? But mm -hmm. how about a GT, a two-door true GT? The 911 sure. really is a do-it-all car. It's a track car. It's a GT car. Yeah. It's an autocross. Yeah. It does all these things. But what about this GT car? And I'm telling you, the 928, they built 60,000 units of that car from 79 to 05. That model mm -hmm. was not unsuccessful for good reason. And if yeah. they did, with yeah. modern styling, they've got loads of engine choices to put in the front of that thing. Bring back the front engine, two-door, long coupe. I bet it'd be beautiful. I would I would cut off toes to sell. I would <laughs> figure out. I, I would buy all the A3s in the market and sell them back to Volkswagen to earn the money to Perfect. go buy my new 928. This is our, this is our I, new scheme to buy you. That's crazy. Yes, I, I agree. Can you imagine... Something competing against that Jag F-Type, the Mercedes SLS, and and the, the new um, GTS. Can you imagine a car that yeah, could compete I, against this? Holy I, they, look, they, moly. It is interesting. I mean, they have in their lineup, they have the pieces of the puzzle to go there easier, I think, than when they even did the 928 because of the Panamera, because of all the engine choices. They could make one without hurting themselves. I agree with that. I wonder if it makes any numbers sense, though. Because I feel like what's in their lineup now is they're, they're, feeling, they're, they're filling specific uh, areas of the market versus kind of – and his question even goes on to, to ask, are they going to do the BMW thing and go to crazy niches? I can't see Porsche doing that. And I wonder if a car like that is a kind of a niche seller for them and if it makes any sense. Because the Panamera is you want a Porsche sedan, we have a Panamera. You want a Porsche SUV, oh, you want a larger Porsche SUV because, of course, everybody wants SUVs. We can we can have, have that. You want an Icon and, a, and a, a super sports car, that's the 911. You want an entry-level car, that's the Cayman and the Boxster, and we're kind of done. I, I, I don't – I wonder if that's a sales success for them. I'd love to see them do it. I just wonder if it makes sense. See, you always bring the business sense into things. I'm operating completely on emotion Hardly. over here, and it's hard to see the – yeah, the end. I, I would but, love but that, the, but – The reason you're operating on emotion is because we happen to mention the little horsey brand, okay? That's why you're operating on emotion, okay? But, but I'm just wondering – one of the things I think that is interesting about Porsche in comparison to BMW, for that matter, is the fact that they have been very strategic. For all of the outcry when they introduced the Cayenne – that was a stroke of genius, and it helped the brand survive. Mm -hmm. And the Boxster has done the same kind of thing, not to the same point. But, you know, for all the purists that, that screamed about watering down the brand, Porsche has been very smart about introducing new models into arenas where they can sell them like crazy. And I don't know that that fast GT area is going to justify its own existence unless they can make the numbers work on creating that new car because of things like the Panamera chassis and engine options so that it doesn't take a much kind of tooling and ramp up time, then I could see it. But Porsche's very good. They're the opposite end of the spectrum from BMW on just going, okay, let's wait until we have a model that makes sense. And so I, I don't know. Yeah, SUVs do, to your point. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, yep. I wouldn't have guessed Macan. I wouldn't have said, you know what, build a light, you know, a little bit, Smaller SUV yeah. and yeah. you know surprisingly it's selling well not maybe not surprisingly but but that's you know, a massively exploding market I mean the, the big two seat long legged GT that's not a market that's going anywhere I hate to say it because I, I love those cars I but agree. it's just not a market that goes anywhere so it isn't it isn't it would do 
I don't know what it would do for the brand. I, I mean, in yeah. terms of perception, but they certainly have the history and ability to do that. But they wouldn't be alone in the marketplace. That's the thing. Jag and Mercedes, they wouldn't be alone necessarily. Hopefully, we get the new Toyota well, Super coming. You know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's I, interesting. I, I'd love to see it. I don't know that it makes any sense for them to do. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be the great dang here, I guess. Business plans with it. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I hope they do anyway. Uh, so and. And Antonio sent us a good question where he just asked kind of a general question. He said, do we consider it sacrilege for somebody to put a roof rack on a dedicated sports car? What do we think of that? And I'm going to say to you right away, no, I think it's awesome. And I'm going to go geeky for a second. <laughs> think of uh, For Your Eyes Only and James Bond in the Red Lotus going yes. to the ski resort with skis on the back. How cool was that, I ask you? So there's that reality. But uh, But I'm also going to say, you know, uh, you know, here I have this FRS, and it's clearly not a let's go camping car. But I did buy a uh, a bike rack for that thing, and it's it's actually a removable one. It's it's a Saris brand, and no, they're not paying me, but they should. But it's an adjustable bike rack I can put on the back of the Cayenne or on the back of the FRS. I kind of like to see those removable ones that you can do because you you need to go biking, but you own a sports car. I think it's great. The short answer from me, Antonio, is I think it's awesome when somebody has a car they love and they make it fit their life versus I should buy a bigger car. Yeah. That's, I just love to see that. I'm with you. I, I think it's really cool and interesting when it's a, a smaller and more nimble sports car doing something else besides being a sports car. I think that's cool and mm -hmm. interesting. Bike rack, yeah. whatever that is, it can certainly be done. It, there is no rule book anywhere that says you have to have a gigantic SUV to do any of the sports you and I love. Skiing, mm -hmm. biking, Agreed. hiking, Agreed. camping, whatever that is. And it's always surprising. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't plan this, but just kind of the way life worked out one day this past season, it was one of those things where my wife and son were on the ski mountain, and I needed to come join them, and then I was going to leave at a different time. So, of course, that meant I brought the FRS. So I roll up in my ridiculous orange sports car with Blizzaks on it, you know, surrounded by – it's Utah. So surrounded by either Subarus or Cayennes. That was pretty much the parking lot. <laughs> right. and, and then it's me. And, but I was able, with the seat down, to get my skis – no ski rack – to get my skis – through the car, and you would think they would be all the way up you, you, when you think of because, I mean, I'm a big guy. I, I ski big skis, like 188s. They're long skis. You would think once you got them in the trunk at a straight line, they would probably touch the center consoles, what you, that's what I suspected. They barely passed the back seats. They barely passed, like, the, 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 the back of the front seats was where the tips were, and I had plenty of room to shift. It wasn't even crowded. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. I think I even tweeted out a photo on it. Got all my ski gear yeah, in there did. and just went. That was awesome. And I just laughed. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really, I didn't sit down and go, I want to take the FRS skiing. But I looked at my schedule that day and just went, well, I'm going to end up doing that, I guess. And it worked out great. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, convertibles. Stick a surfboard at the top or skis or whatever. There you go. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. It's yep. cool. All right. Uh, John Falcone asks us as uh, he is being – he's a NASCAR fan. And he's okay. asking if uh, we would do a video or what, what would we think about doing a video on the stock car driving experience. So I think you're referring to the petty driving experience or something mm -hmm. similar just to see how they are. And, John, I admit mm – -hmm. As big of a car super freak that I am and that all of us listening are, I am not that into NASCAR. I admit. I am yeah. a far yeah. bigger fan of Le Mans and NASCAR and – or Le Mans and Formula so, One and NASCAR is kind of further down on the list. So Porsche needs to run a NASCAR team and you would change your mind. That's what I'm hearing here. So Porsche, if you're listening, um, if you really <laughs> – no, no, anyway, go on. I, I – uh, yeah, NASCAR is pretty – 
pretty far down on there, but I admit that it would be fun and interesting and definitely informative to to really play up the joke, you know, <laughs> left turn only and when NASCAR drivers yeah. go to, a, a, you know, the uh, Watkins Glen track. Somebody totally different wins. Not the front runners, but somebody that can actually turn right. They always win. <laughs> no, I, no, but I mean also just – Play getting up the in joke. one of those cars, of course, getting in one of those cars and and running through the banking would be interesting. I I agree that would be a fascinating driving experience. And because you and I aren't NASCAR fans, it would be intriguing. I I kind of consider that a little bit of a challenge from him. And mm-hmm. maybe we should look into it. I'd be intrigued. I'd be intrigued too because here we are doing a lot of road courses. We love track mm-hmm. driving. Um, yeah, the challenge accepted. You know, I don't know how we're going to pull that off yet, but. Um, yeah, it's I, only I, money. I mean, we'll do, we'll do that tomorrow. It'll be easy. I'm going to send. Go. My, I'm going to send. I'm going to send my second assistant after they get me my latte and then my dry cleaning. They're going to check in on this. That's that's how that's going to work. <laughs> and the brush right. And if you know anything don't, about don't. if you know anything about the way the show works, none of that was true. Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Casey Cook and Jason Cornell asked the same question differently, and that was, do we think production cars have become as fast as they're going to get? on zero to 60 times, or is there more room to go? And I, my headline response to this is, well, zero to 60, while not all that usable a stat, is the industry standard stat. And it's a bragging right thing. It's it's the more usable somewhat thing than the Nürburgring uh, track time. So I think the zero to 60 is always going to be a point of measure. It's always going to be a bragging right, and it's going to keep going faster. And I will also say that with electrics becoming more common, I think that's going to continue to boggle our mind what's possible. I don't think it'll be across the board shift. I feel like the whole industry has jumped forward. You can get a Camry now that does sixes, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. So I don't think that will continue, but I think there will always be the bragging right car of now doing one and a half seconds or whatever, and it'll be electric repulsion, and you'll be, you know, better put your head back on the headrest before you, you <laughs> bury it. But yeah, I think that will continue, but I don't know that that will be. Other than a party trick, I think you reach a point at which, the, in order to go that fast, be it electric, be it uh, the gearbox, whatever, the car has to start doing stuff for you because of your response time. And I think it won't be any more engaging, but it will be a laugh. Yeah, picking up on that thought, guys, I uh, <laughs> think, you know, some new manufacturers say, come come check out our car. It accelerates so quickly, you black out until you reach freeway speeds. No. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I you got to wear like... one of those fighter pilot pressure suits on your lower <laughs> lower extremities that yeah. that compresses to keep exactly. you conscious while you accelerate. Yeah, that, that's that's what we all need. Exactly. That's that's an option though. You have to buy that extra, otherwise you're going to black out. Oh, of course you do. No, that does. No, that that's in the that's in the super fighter pilot package. That's not that's not standard. Of course not. <laughs> right. Of course not. We've got cars to build, and and well, that's a Porsche accessory right there. Of course. Oh, of course it is. Well, no, but you'll be able to see, if it was Porsche, you'll get Sport Chrono at one cost, and then the pressure suit will be another cost on top of it. So Sport Chrono allowed you to do zero to sixty in one and a half and blackout, but if you want to get the pressure suit, you've got to tick another box. <laughs> I hate to keep playing the Porsche orchestra, but I will use them as an example because my answer shocking. Here is, my answer. How drunk are you people now? How <laughs> drunk are you people? Because I don't drink and I'm about to fall over. Go on. Well. The example is the new 718. It's not necessarily uh-huh. how fast the cars will be going, but how they're going to be going about it. They have mm-hmm. reset everything by going to a smaller displacement turbocharged engine that actually makes more power, slightly quicker, slightly faster, 
but they've sort mm -hmm. of pushed the reset button. And you'll notice from BMW to Mercedes, all the performance cars at the top end, they are incremental gains, if not the same year over year. Could they make their, yeah. their performance yeah. cars faster? Yes, we could have the you know the Bugatti Chiron kind of uh, zero to sixty times or acceleration, but what yeah. should do that? You've jumped the shark. You've you've blown your wad. You've kind of spent all your currency. So <laughs> yes, horsepower continues to go up, but I say it's how car manufacturers are going to do it. Whether it's electric, whether yeah. it's lower displacement engines being turbocharged, CVTs, nine speed transmissions, nineteen speed transmissions, whatever that looks like, it's how we get there and. You know what that's going to look like is just by virtue of of what the car's powertrain is. I don't think it's sure. a, necessarily a contest because at some point, yeah, people does it matter? I mean, we're already at that point. We already had the yeah. German muscle car wars, and I feel like we're kind of coming off that, going, oh yeah, turbocharging. Let's sort of reset the meter, reset the bar, and now get better fuel economy well, and you know do yeah. different things. The, the number of things, the number of things that can do zero to sixty under five now is staggering. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and and that used to be the realm of supercars, and now under five is when if you're if you're a sixteen year old obsessed with stats, uh, cars that don't, don't get under four don't impress you. I'm like under four second. When when are you doing zero to sixty in under four seconds? When do you even when are you doing it under five? When are you having that opportunity? Right. So right. that's the thing. Anything under five is genuinely very quick, and yet tons of things in all classes of vehicles do under five, and I think it's only going to continue. We have uh, we have two more. Dan asked an interesting question. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, we talked about handling before, but Dan Corwin asked about raw versus refined, two terms we use a lot about this car's raw or it's more refined or whatever. We talk about that even on the car debate. I, you know, I know I've said many times, I think that car is too raw for you when talking about a car for somebody. So he's going, okay, so guys, what the heck does that mean? Okay, fair question, fair question. Fair question. And I will say, Dan, this doesn't have anything to do with, or it has very little to do with the price of the car and the amenities or the amount of sound mm. deadening or the amount of yeah. luxurious accessories. Because I'll give you an example. The McLaren 570S, that's going to be a pretty raw car, even though it's expensive sure. and very sure. refined, very well built, swathed in leather and carbon fiber and exotic materials. But it's designed yeah. to have a, a driving experience that lets a lot of the road through. And that mm. has to do with engine mounts. I mean, that's the reason Porsche does their active engine mounts. Yet another example. <laughs> You're back. I'm You're back. back. You thought I, oh, you thought I couldn't tie it in, but I did it. No, I knew you would. Yes. Who are we kidding? I did it. Who are we kidding? Yeah. Well, you know, a race car with an engine bolted directly to the chassis. You're going to feel everything about that. It's going to feel very raw. Whereas Lexus yeah. and passenger cars, you want to isolate that lump as best you can so you feel zero sure. vibration. So it doesn't have anything to do with either of those two. Price and amenities, those are out the window. It's how much of the driving experience does that car manufacturer want to let you, you know, get filtered up through the wheel? Mm -hmm. Where is that car position? Yeah. BMW M yeah. cars, they let a little bit more of that through. So they consider material choice, how the engine is connected to the chassis, all those different things. The, the choice of the steering rack, the tires, all those add up to when we say, wow, expensive, luxurious car and it feels connected. It feels so dynamic. They have let the driving experience through versus mm -hmm. isolating versus the lexifying of the driving experience where the just... lexifying. I, I like that. What do you think I, of that? I, I may need to write that down. The lexifying of cars. 
interesting. Well, I'm going to – I kind of agree with you and I kind of don't. I, mm, I, I okay. think on the raw side, I do. I'm going to give you two extreme examples, Dan. One is the Lotus Elise. That's – there's a poster child for a raw car. Great example. Yeah. Okay. But but I'm going to jump to the other end of the spectrum and I'm going to go with a Mercedes AMG S-Class. Okay. Now – that is not the S-Class, meaning let me chauffeur you around, sir. It's the AMG, for God's sakes. Okay, so plenty of power, going to be a little bit more aggressive in its suspension tuning. That is not a car that is designed to be a floater car. It's designed to be a sledgehammer bathed in leather. But that is a great example of refinement, okay? So the question becomes, where is the car you're in on that scale? Because both of the cars I've mentioned are trying to be interesting to drive, but they're totally different in their approach of raw versus refinement. The Lotus is just raw. They, I mean, come on, you've got exposed aluminum in the cabin for God's sakes. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, th there is so little. There is so little. Anything insulation of any kind. You've got Sound exposed insulation. everything in that cabin. Exactly. You're exposed. Exactly. And so I, I would say that a, a raw car is the car you absolutely want on your canyon run or your track time or when your driving is fun. But you really don't want to sit in traffic in that car. Whereas your refined car is something that you could drive cross-country in and be perfectly happy. And if you have an opportunity for a back road, you're happy in that too. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll go one further. Rolls-Royce, their entire brand is about refinement. Yeah. You don't buy a Rolls-Royce to hoon it. You buy a Rolls-Royce because when I pull on this toggle switch, it feels so nice. Everything's done to very exact settings and everything is so, I'm going to use the word, refined in how it's put together. What's interesting is where these two lines blur, where you have a car that lets through the driving experience, the stuff Paul's talking about, about it's just the Lotus being, I'm sorry, keep going back there. The, the amount of information coming through that wheel is like somebody shouting details at you about the handling. Mm -hmm. It's, it's sure. just, it's constant it, yeah. in a great way. It's just, it's almost like, if I could better way to put it, it's like your favorite band at highest volume level. That's the amount of information you're getting through the steering wheel. Okay, <laughs> Good. I like that. <laughs> you know, that, that's what we're talking about. But then you get other cars with electric steering and, you know, they, they've canceled all of that out. There's no rawness left. That car could be very refined, but I don't know if it's going to be any fun. And so what's interesting is those cars that blend the two, and I can think of two, one on the expensive end, the Mercedes uh, GTS right now. Yes. Their big loping uh, GT car has a surprising amount of kind of muscle car raw character, but it's a Mercedes. It's very well built. It's refined. It's very nice. You could drive cross country in it, but it's still nuts. And then I'm sorry, I have to suddenly, <clears throat> unfortunately, join Paul and say, look at the Porsche brand. That's what they do. That's what they do. And, and, and you know, they, the BMW is a sliding scale if we want to stay here. They are much more, which car did you buy? Did you buy the base one that's more about being refined? Or did you buy the M car that's trying to be refined and also have some rawness if you turn that M button on? Yeah. So yeah. I hope I'm answering the question. It is, there's an interesting animal here, and I think people have different tolerance levels. Of the two of us, I'm definitely more concerned with the car being raw. I own an FRS. Paul's more concerned with the car being refined. He owns a Cayman GTS. So there you go. Yeah, I, good. I'm trying to think what else you can lexify. Would you lexify your pets? Lexify your pets. Someone else takes care of them, and they're always clean, and yeah. they don't bother you except to cuddle. They've, you've lexified your pet. There you, we go. You've lexified the heck out of your dog. <laughs> what else can you lexify? Even, 
else this week on Everyday Driver, Lexifying and You. Got yes, the, there you go. The Lexify Canon. You just point it at anything you want to Lexify, and instantly mm. it's refined and clean. I'm, and I'm frightened. Let's <laughs> let's do one more, and then let's please let's close this disaster of a podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, so Larry wrote to us, and Larry said he just watched the Pilgrimage film. Thanks, Larry, for doing that, and he really gives us some nice compliments on the film. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. And so he's now saying what we pretty much felt at, before doing it and after, which is the ring and spa are now like bucket list items, and I agree they are. But then he went, um, <clears throat> what if you wreck a car? What happens? And he looked at RSR, who helped us with the film, and they're helping us with the pilgrimage adventure. Uh, he asked, what about you know the liability? What if you ball a car up? So to answer your question for your questions, period, and also for even the pilgrimage adventure, Yes, track insurance is available. RSR doesn't do it. There are third parties. You take your own car to the Chicago track day we're talking about. You can get track day insurance. That's what defends you. Or you can be like we did. Don't necessarily mean you should do this, but you can go without said insurance and hope for the best. Uh, so those are your options. But, I mean, for the pilgrimage trip, if you take this trip yourself, if you come to the Chicago track day, insurance is available, but it's almost always third party, or you can roll the dice. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, you can add that, and it just kind of depends on where you're coming from. I, you know, even if you have insurance, that doesn't mean you want to do stupid things, really. And you know, you want to be all about driving, you know, driving within your limits, learning what the instructor yeah. does, and that's why Todd and yeah. I were comfortable having the instructor and considered the instructor as insurance because yeah, having that's that an instructor. Interesting point. Yeah. was so revelatory because those guys moved to Germany to drive this you know, over and over and mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. And so they're giving us, you know, they're refining their comments to the point of little tips and tricks. It's no longer breaking You're zones right. and You're this right. kind of thing. It's all these things that position the car and get you, you know, positioned for the out of corner, the, the track out. So you're far mm -hmm. better positioned around the track. And so we, you know, having that, I, I would say was a, a huge defense. I I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I think you've hit on something very interesting. If I had to personally pick to drive on the ring, would I prefer, and I realize you could get both, but would I prefer to have an instructor teach me the track or have track insurance? I would pick instructor every single time. I would too, because even I if just, you have insurance and even if you go drive the track over and over and over, you still don't have any verification if you're doing the line right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they were great with us to be like, okay, this corner you're coming up on, this is the corner the most people get wrong on the entire track. Okay, I am now officially paying attention. Right. I was paying attention before, but now I'm right. on a whole separate level. And now it's, please, please, oh, instructor, oh, Yoda of the car, tell me where to put this thing. Because right. the last right. thing I want to do is meet guardrail. I don't care if I've got insurance. If you tell me this is the corner everybody screws up, let's not be one of them. So, yeah, I mean, the insurance is possible, but, yeah, that, that track instruction is vital. I totally agree. That's a great point. And then, you know, they're, they're signing you off and your confidence is building because then the next mm -hmm. time you're on mm -hmm. track by yourself, their words are ringing in your head and you're going, oh, yeah, this is what to do. I've done it before at speed. I'm comfortable doing yeah. it. I know what they yeah. said. Take the line. Boom, you're out. So we want it to be enjoyable, definitely not a fearful, oh, my gosh, what if I, you know – you know, what if something happens? We don't want those thoughts going through your mind. We want you to build True. confidence. We want you to be very confident out on track, feeling the car, knowing what to do, knowing where to put the car, mm -hmm. and taking into consideration, you know, wet or dry track. What are your tires doing? Traffic, yeah. all these other things. Yeah. That's the learning curve, but that's where the fun is at. 
And we're not race car drivers. We're not out there to set lap times. No. That's the biggest I, point. It's got to be enjoyable first and go fast That's second. the reason that we're doing – yeah, totally. That's great. That's one of the reasons we're doing instructors not only with the pilgrimage adventure but also on the Chicago track day because we think that's vital. But, but I will say also this to you, Larry – Back to the other side of it, um, I will acknowledge that while sitting in the driver's meeting for um, for the ring for our film, and they started going through the replacement cost of cars, I'm obviously scanning ahead on this list to see cars we're going to drive. And way down the list, at the high prices, was that Porsche GT3 replacement cost, and the thought did go through my mind. Okay, Todd, so legitimately, if you wreck a GT3, show's over. I mean, legitimately show's yeah. over. Not film's <laughs> over, show's over. Go get an extra job, pay off that GTS. Let's not ball that one up. So it does go through my mind. So you know what we did? We went out and drove that car in the rain. That's the exactly. only way to do it. Because that's the answer. The answer is, well, it's raining. Let's take that car out. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's part of the pilgrimage film, which is ridiculous fun. And we did have fun, but uh, certainly daunting as well. Thank you guys for listening. Again, we will be back on Friday. We are doing this twice a week now. It's nuts, but it's fun. Thank you for writing in your car debates. Thank you for writing for Facebook. We cannot thank you enough. Uh, videos on Thursday. This Thursday is the Audi piece, so brace yourself for that. And lots more on the way. Yep, and if we haven't hit the pilgrimage thing enough, we want you with us. Please consider it. <laughs> I'm hitting it again because you're going you're gonna to hear it from here on out. So we, we want you with us. We want you to be on track with us. It's going to be lots of fun. In the meantime, till next time, thanks, guys. <laughs>